0: You're listening to Welcome to Eloma, a podcast for highly ambitious dreamers who get shit done. I'm your host, Kylie Peters. This is a space where we talk about navigating the ever-changing retail landscape. Now, as someone who focuses primarily on the service-based businesses of the world, retail is a world that is both foreign and fascinating to me. I have many, many Maker friends who are building their businesses through wholesale and e-commerce strategies. Some are more successful than others, and there's a variety of struggles that everybody's running into. Um, so I'm looking forward to diving so much further into retail strategies and manufacturer negotiations, and so much more with today's guest. Today's guest is Rena Van Delft founder of RVD Solutions Retail Consulting. Raina has spent over 30 years in the retail industry and is now bringing her services to retailers, manufacturers, and leadership in the retail space. So welcome to Iloma Raina. Oh,
1: thank you. That was such a nice uh, introduction.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I really truly have so many questions about the retail space because again, I'm I'm not the person that is typically negotiating with manufacturers or dealing with supply chain issues or inventory management. So it's it's like a whole new world to me. So I'm I'm very excited to jump in and and learn more with you. Um, so that being said, why don't we kick it off and tell us uh, some of the greatest challenges that the retail industry is facing now and what we should be or what they should be thinking about in order to prepare to navigate for the next year or so.
1: Yeah, you know, the retail space is such a dynamic and ever-changing industry. And that's why I love it uh, because it's never the same any day, any week, any year. So I've stayed in it for the 30 years. Uh, The challenges that the retail space is really facing today is of course the recession, which everybody's, you know, concerned about um, increased costs. We've seen what eggs cost these days. Uh, so across all, in, you know, all the categories, we see the costs increasing. And then supply chain disruptions uh, for sure has been a big impact from raw materials to the shipping of products, to the fact that they can't find workers in the factory. So, you yeah. know, you just have a lot of, of different uh, piece of that, uh, e-commerce, of course, the continued uh, competition in e-commerce as more and more new retailers come on board. And then sustainability, uh, you know, as there's many generations that are now considering, you know, are our, our manufacturers progressing forward uh, in, you know, looking at sustainability and how they can make, uh, you know, a less footprint in the world. So, You know, you put all that together. It is definitely a challenging environment today.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's a lot of things. (laughs) Um, How do we we dive in? How do we start to tackle some of these things?
1: Well, I think the first thing in retail 101, I call it, is really understanding your customer. I mean, the exciting thing today is that there's so much data analytics that you really can understand who she is or he is. Uh, you can understand when they shop, uh, what they shop for, what their favorite things are, uh, you know, age, economics. Um, so so that's one big piece of it. And I think understanding that piece is, is very important. Uh, of course, knowing your inventory, um, you know, you always want to, you know, as everybody knows, you get frustrated if you go to a, your favorite store and they don't have that one thing you like to buy constantly when they don't have that in stock. So making sure those core products are in stock at all times. Uh, but then also enticing the customer with newness, you know, every couple of months or every season so that they do come back in addition to just the basics that they tend to uh replenish. Uh, okay. you know, the basic, the basic rules never change. Have the product when they want it quickly deliver it to them and make it seamless. So uh those are key pieces for the customer. The other side of it is really working with your, you know, vendor relationships, you know, making sure the yeah. product flow is going, uh, you know, getting better costing to really help your consumer not have to pay as much, you know, and uh and you know the costs just continue to plague the industry. So how do we work better to get those costs out of the system?
0: Yeah. I mean, with all these, you know, you mentioned supply chain disruption, uh, the recession, costs of everything going up. How how do we navigate that? How do how do retailers adjust their businesses accordingly to still maintain somewhat of a profit margin?
1: Well, you, you definitely have to look at the product. Just starting with the basic product itself, is there another manufacturer to use that you get, you know, better raw materials or, you know, a lower cost in a different country? Um, you know, is there a benefit of bringing it back to the U.S. so you don't have as much transportation? So there's there's not a one size fits all, um, but really understanding the world and where products are being made and. And is there opportunities to move those products uh, from one country to the next or one fabric to the next? So uh, those are all kind of within that scope, um, you know. And and that's really the the day to day, you know, conversation we have all the time with our manufacturers.
0: Well, and I would imagine manufacturer negotiations, vendor partners. That's that's a huge part of your business. I mean, if you flub the negotiation, your profit margins kind of sink. So yeah. what tips or tricks, et cetera, do you have to share with those running retail-based businesses that might be struggling with the negotiation aspect?
1: Well, I think when you're uh, you know, negotiating, first of all, you negotiate with multiple vendors. So you're not just going directly to one source. It really gives you the opportunity to to compare and contrast what one manufacturer might give you versus another, um, and then also that relationship. It's like with any anyone, you know, having that strong relationship so that you have the opportunity to pivot with a vendor, you know, as the business grows or expands or moves. Um, but when you're looking at the negotiating piece, it's really bringing it down to that cost analysis and. Using your opportunity of how many units you're buying and comparing it to those different manufacturers and making sure you get both the quality, the price, and bringing it in. So uh, it is a it's a multifaceted, you know, opportunity to do that, but absolutely important. And does
0: okay. So I have a question again, just because I don't typically play in the retail space. So oftentimes, you know. When you're negotiating different contracts, et cetera, you're looking at not just the cost, right? But it's the relationship. It's how difficult is this going to be? How easy is this going to be? You know, there's a couple of other intangibles that we typically would look at, at least in the service space space. How much of a role does that play in the retail space? Because, I mean, it makes a lot of sense that, of course, you need to negotiate on price. Otherwise, you might not even, it might not be worth even selling that product, right? But, how much of that the intangibles, if you will, do you need to keep in mind or do you need to pay attention to when negotiating that from a retail standpoint?
1: Well, first of all, you have to make sure you're going with a reputable vendor. I mean sure. they're, they're, you know in in my heyday, I would get fifty you know emails a day saying i i I, I sell this product." Uh, so making sure it's a reputable vendor, you also within your organization, you may want them to help you with your marketing or help you with, uh, you know, photography of the product or, you know, free samples to get to your office versus you paying for samples. So when you look at all that, that is totally part of that total picture. Okay. Um, so it's important to make sure you have all those costs listed so that when you get to that net pricing uh, when you bring it in uh, to the country or if you just have it within the U.S. But that's all negotiated up front. Yeah. Uh, and then if it doesn't work within a certain amount of time, you also need to look at negotiating them taking it back or mm. giving you price, price reduction uh, so that you can Uh, you know, sell it for a clearance price and having that in the back pocket. So it's not just going out, it's also making sure at the end of the day, you make profit on the product from start to
0: finish. Yeah, that makes sense. I Thank you for bringing that up because I never even thought about like the return factor. Um, But yeah, that would make a lot of sense. That makes a ton of sense. Yeah, so
1: damages, Um, you'll have a percentage that you'll negotiate in that too, yeah.
0: Are there any like industry best practices or specific percentages where it's like, oh, you should assume 10% of everything is gonna be damaged. So factor that into your pricing or anything like that.
1: You know, it's a tough uh, to say one, you know, for example, if you're looking at food versus clothing, you know, food works on such a shorter margin, clothing has a much bigger margin. So it really depends on the category. Also return rates address returns much higher than a t-shirt. So making sure you understand kind of that, what category you're working with Mm -hmm. and making sure you understand some of the ramifications for that. So, you know, something that's making 23% margin, uh, there's there's not as much wiggle room. So there might be other opportunities of, you know, getting them to fund you in marketing or fund you in different ways uh, that you can work with.
0: Can you talk a little bit more about that? What do you mean when you say fund you in marketing?
1: Uh, Well, so uh, if you're working with a product, um, you know, and they have a great, uh, uh, the manufacturer has some great photography and great marketing associated with the product that they're selling. You may be able to use some of those assets or ask them to fund you, meaning give you a percentage that you can advertise or put a, Post out on your social media, or oh, okay. put some marketing out in in you know within your store, brick and mortar, or on your online page. Uh, if you're looking at a brand page uh, that you want to highlight, so there are ways to get some some of that supported by a manufacturer. If it's not just straight on the cost of the product.
0: Okay, so I mean that, but that's big, right? Like that could definitely cut down on general operating costs for the business.
1: Absolutely. And also it helps the vendor. So if you're testing a product, it might you know, do extremely well with more marketing, which means they'll get more units in the long-term.
0: For sure. Okay, interesting. You've asked for it, so I'm building it. I've taken the feedback I've received over the last year regarding our in-person workshops and retreats. And I'm building out a masterclass for women looking to leave corporate and launch their own consulting business. I know most of you are planners, so you're not looking to jump ship tomorrow, nor should you. So we're building out the most comprehensive six-month course with over a dozen industry experts that will meet virtually once a week live to answer any questions and create the community necessary to succeed in entrepreneurship while giving you the opportunity to digest the content when it works best for you and your schedule. This first cohort will launch October 3rd I meet every Tuesday for six months with a few adjustments for the holidays. You'll gain access to the starter kit, six months of content walking you through everything you need to know how to start your consulting business the right way. In addition to three one-on-one coaching sessions. Since this is our pilot program, we're offering what would be a $10,000 investment for $7,000 and payment plans are available as needed. Working with all these experts would cost you well over $60,000 though. So save yourself 50 grand and a few years of trying to figure it out on your own and join us this October for a program that I promise will change your life. Learn more at com. So as we talk about, like say the different line items that, that a retail owner should be thinking about in terms of negotiation. So it sounds like we've got the cost of the product We've got shipping and returns. We might also have like a marketing potential, like marketing swap, or you know something along those lines. That kind of line item. What other like key elements do retail owners need to keep in mind as they are kind of adding up all these different variables? Well, you definitely want to
1: make sure that you have damages in there. I mean, there's right damages. You know, yep. So damages are a key piece that if it goes comes back to your store at a higher rate than the average. You need to have that covered by the manufacturer, but in general, the manufacturer will give a basic percentage. Now, if you're doing your own private brand, that's a little different than supporting a brand. So, there's a little bit of a difference there between private brand products and branded products.
0: Okay, well, I feel like you just teed me up. So, Reyna, tell me, tell uh, me the difference between private brand a products. Private, and
1: public brand. A private brand, you are. A uh, private brand is. If I own a retail store and I've decided to you know, call my brand the red brand, those are products that are just mine. They're trademarked under myself as a retailer,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: you'll be going out to a manufacturer to make the products for your brand versus sure. you going out to a branded manufacturer. You want those products to come into your store. It's a brand that is well-established. They might Got have it. a huge marketing team and they have a million assets that you can utilize and bring into your store. So it's uh it's a little different of a of a focus, but in general terms, the line items are the same. They just wiggle with with percentages and pricing.
0: Okay. And would it be fair or safe to assume that a private brand product is going to have a higher profit margin?
1: Yes, you can assume that. Yep.
0: Okay. In awesome. general. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um so what are some low fruit like low hanging fruit opportunities that retail business owners need to be taking advantage of right now if they aren't already Well
1: you know they need to make sure that the experience that the consumer has is seamless both e-com and in the store uh, you know it needs to be personable the service level has to be great in the store and again when you're you know, late at night after dinner, you want to buy something and it's not quick. You're going to shut your computer and be annoyed and walk away. So all, yeah. you know, having that support uh, on both ends, you know, having when you walk into a store, a friendly hello, you know, what can I help you with? I know that sounds pretty basic, but it does make a difference. And if you're in a local establishment, hopefully you know that person's name because they are in all the time. So, you know, those are those small things that make you want to come back to the retailer.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I know I've been, it, it always bugs me. like when If I go into a store and I've been in there for like five, 10 minutes and nobody has even acknowledged me or same like in the, not to go off on a tangent, but in the restaurant industry, like I was just at somewhere and I was sitting at the bar and there was like nowhere else, like no one else was there. The bartender was obviously there didn't even look at me, didn't, you know, never once acknowledged. It took like a solid five, six minutes. I'm like, hi.
1: Yeah. You it's know, it's the, just, you know and it's service. just
0: engagement. And I think
1: all of us are kind of, you know, thirsty for that after the last couple of years of not yeah. having a lot of social engagement. So, you know, I think just that, You know, that just makes you think, oh, I'll come back to you because I've had such a great experience, regardless of what you've actually picked up in the store. And then, of course, you pick it up, you go home and you love the product. You'll be back because both both ends were met for you. Um, And then, you know, once you understand the consumer uh, going through that data analysis is how do you market to that same profile? If you know that you have a customer that has, you know, is it is average age of blank, average income of blank, then find that sweet spot for you and go after those people that you don't know. Um, you know, and there's so many, and it's customer customer relationship marketing, CRM, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's so many opportunities to work, you know, either with small companies, individuals that can really help you uh, kind of build that base so that you can constantly go after uh, those new customers.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. So look alike audiences and trying to, you know, then you play the volume game, right?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. You no. Know, and keeping up with the social media. Also, if you've, if you <laughs> see that you're getting a lot of feedback positive and, you know, then you have to keep up with that and make sure that you're engaged as I know, you know,
0: I'm not going to lie, Rena. I hate social media. <laughs> I was just having this conversation with one of my team members this morning. I was just like, I hate social. I just think it's a real pain in the butt. <laughs> yeah, and you have to keep so up with consuming. it.
1: It's, yeah, it is. It's very time consuming.
0: Yeah, man. Um, okay, so getting really clear on the audience, understanding look-alike audiences, playing the social media game, any other low-hanging fruit opportunities? Oh, the customer service piece, the user experience, any other low-hanging fruit opportunities that owners need to be thinking about, especially as this potential looming recession is pending?
1: You know, I think, you know, it's it's important to make sure you are working closely with your team. Uh, your team is is your, you know, your sweet spot to, to make it happen. Mm -hmm. So understanding how are they feeling, what's going on, be it if you're, you know, on a zoom call or if you're in the office, what's the culture and making sure that you continue to keep your pulse on that. I think people have kind of lost sight of that a little bit. So I think it's important to, uh, to make sure the team members are, are, you know, excited as you are about your products and your next steps.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, turnover has been a real challenge. Absolutely. And let's be honest, like it's it's real difficult to run a business when the bodies that you need to be there to do the thing aren't there. And then it takes so much time to find them and replace them and train them and all the things, right? right. So yeah, I, I think that's probably fair to say across the board, you know, regardless of whatever business you're in, don't forget about the people that are in your business. Like they are the reason that the business is still operating. Yeah. And to
1: be honest with you, and they're all different. You have to really zone in to each of your team to see what makes them tick and what's important to them and and making sure that you're, you're helping them live their best life, including your own.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, Okay. So you've been in this space for a long time, Raina. What are some of the biggest mistakes you have seen go down? I think not, not that you need to out anybody or name any names, No, no, but I'm not like, <laughs> we're not trying to get anyone in trouble. No,
1: no, no. I think the biggest thing for me is a plan is is you know a three to five year plan. Of course, is key for any business to really understand what you're doing short term, long term. But a plan is a guideline, mm-hmm. and the guideline. You have to pivot if you see that, you know, as you see the business progressing or as it exposes itself, you have to move with the business. You can't sit on your laurels and say, well, that was in the plan. It's yes, the plan was a guideline. Doesn't mean that top line, you're not going to hit that. You're just going to maneuver underneath to say what works today and how I'm going to pivot. I mean, I think of, you know, that could be by category. It could be a marketing campaign that's not working. You know, and then there's the pandemic. I mean, all of those were pivoting shifts that you had to say, okay, let's stop. Think, what do we have to do next? And how are we going to adjust to follow where the consumer is going? So I think that's probably and, you know, I have a million examples of where we didn't pivot fast enough uh, or we didn't pivot at all. Um, So I think that you just have to be nimble and be able to move Mm -hmm. with whatever the business tells you to move with.
0: Would you say that, so primarily living in the small business space, I feel like that's also true for pretty much every small business. Do you think that that, it's fair to say that be nimble is is something that all businesses in any industry need to keep in mind or are there more, do you think it's more important for certain spaces than others?
1: You know, you have to keep your eye on the prize. Like what's your end goal with what you're trying to do? But within that, Uh, there's definitely things regardless of the industry that will show itself to say, that's not working today. Let's change that. It could be, you know, it could be a a program. It could be a product category, you know, it it doesn't mean walking away. It just means this needs to pull back and we have to really push something that's really working. So, yeah, I believe it's across all industries that you have to be, comfortable enough to say, time out, this isn't working, let's regroup Um, without making everybody crazy, you know, because you're going to have those little nuances that happen. But, you know, it's really important to stand back and say, what am I doing that's not working and how can I fix it at this moment in time?
0: Yeah. And I'll say, too, I feel like especially as an entrepreneur, I mean, that's the name of the game. (laughs) It just really is. I mean, I'm I'm the queen of planning and strategy myself. I love that stuff, but at the same time, like, what is? Uh, I love. I'm not a religious person, but I love the statement like, "Man plans and God laughs." It's just like, yeah, we can make all of the plans, and that's exactly that's all that they are. It's it's a plan. And we just need to be very tuned in to what is actually happening. And I know in my space, it's it's like you've got to know your numbers. And I know you were, you've been talking about that as well. Like you have to know your numbers. If if something's not working, okay, is it a fluke? Or if it keeps happening, it's like okay, you got to start making changes. Otherwise, the sink the ship starts to sink. And well, those are yeah, tough well, changes,
1: yeah. right? And what happens in retail is, if you don't make the decision quickly, you have more goods that are coming that are not going to work. So now yeah, you're going yeah. to you're going, you're going to really put your inventory constraints in, in a pickle. You know, you're going to not be able to spend money on newness or excitement to bring more customers in. So then you you know, if you're an, a customer that comes back all the time, it's like, oh, this is my third time in the store, and nothing's changed. So yeah because they don't have the, you know, the open checkbook to be able to buy more products. Um, so it's just important to know, you know, one day, you know, one day of sales, not going to make a difference a month. Okay. Maybe it's a weather thing Two, three months. That means that's a trend Is and a you trend? need to make an adjustment. Yeah. So, and I think that's with every business and knowing that saying, Ooh, that didn't work, you know, and for me in retail, I've always just gone to the clearance section, regardless of what product category, because those didn't sell. <laughs> so
0: that's a very good call. I, it's like just a normal consumer. I never thought of it that way. I'm always like, oh, what's the cheapest thing that? You yeah, know, like, I mean, what's yeah. the deal?
1: But they either bought too much or it was a wrong just wrong pick, you know. So. Oh. You know, so if you look at a rounder of tops, you know, there's, you know, 25 of one, either the fit's bad, the color's bad, or it was just an ugly top. And that's okay. Like, you know, and you have to learn from that and just not buy it again and get rid of it so that
0: you can loosen up the dollars yeah. so that you can buy more. Huh. Are there like tools or templates or, um, I want to say spreadsheets cause I love spreadsheets that you know, retailers should be utilizing to help them manage inventory so that they can know like what is selling and what is not selling and what they need to loosen up?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's there's many companies that support and link into your database that will help you with those. Okay. Um, you know, so that that's definitely, you know, there's also... Templates you can use for product development. Uh, you know, it's just how much do you want to spend on those things. But absolutely, if that's not where your forte is, I would highly recommend getting something that, you know, shows you what's getting stuck and making sure that you have that turnover of products. And you'll see very clearly that this hasn't moved in 90 days. We have yeah. to get rid of it. So.
0: Interesting. Yeah, again, it's such a different space. I mean, similar concepts. Don't get me wrong, it's not like running a retail-based business versus service is like the craziest thing in the world, right? But it is there's so many very specific nuances in the retail space that I just would never have even thought of. Um in your experience, yeah. yeah oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say sometimes a you know, an item
1: that a manufacturer has a ton of could be an opportunity. Look at all the, you know, if you're, you know, a shopper that goes into more of the discount chains, you know, it's like a hunt and peck in the store and you find some great deals. Like there is a positive side to clearance, it's just that's part of their strategy, right? So yeah. it's a, you know, it can be a good thing. Resale is on a trend up, you know, yeah for recycling and all of that. So if you're in the
0: right pockets,
1: you know, you can use it as a benefit. Make sure. it
0: fun, you know? No, that's a good call. It's different strategies, you know? Maybe one man's trash is another man's treasure, right? So different strategies. That's a that's a very good call. Yeah, and you
1: um, can make it a, an opportunity for your consumer saying, come in you're early bird. You get to see it first. I mean, you can really get some excitement out there for the customer too, so.
0: Yeah. No, oh, but who doesn't like a good early bird sale? Absolutely. Um, all right. So what have been some of your greatest learning lessons in doing this work in, in all of your decades of doing this work? Biggest things that have stood out to you? To me,
1: it's making sure my personal opinion doesn't sway the decision too far.
0: Uh, Oof, that's that's a tough one to regulate. It is. That's, that's very self-aware.
1: Yeah. I mean, so, you know, if 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 you thought something was ugly and it sold like crazy, you may not like it, but your customer likes it. Just buy more. Like there just, you, yeah. you know, even if you thought you knew who your customer was and the data shows you differently, go with the data. Do not let your self think it's going to be any different. Maybe forward trend thinking, absolutely. That's, you know, the, the art and science of yeah. what we do. Uh, but yeah, make sure you listen to the, you know, you look at the data and go with the data and look to who your consumer is and, you know, don't mess with the facts.
0: Yeah, so just lean into the data. And I think, you know, we could probably extrapolate that on that for anybody listening who's not currently collecting data or and or not analyzing that data start there. It sounds like. Absolutely. You'll probably find a ton of answers in the numbers.
1: Yeah. And you can partner with your credit card company and your POS companies. They have a lot of, you know, opportunities to give you that information. So ask the question, you have access to that and Mm. can I have access to it? So, yeah, uh, you know.
0: Don't be afraid to ask. No, of course. If you're interested in asking me questions about running your business, but you're working on a budget and only need a teeny tiny bit of handholding right now, check out the CEO Hotline. This is an online community that I'll be managing on a weekly basis, answering questions about running your business. And then we'll have a monthly live Q&A where I'll answer whatever questions you have in real time. Learn more at rixr.i.xceohotline.com. So Raina, you... You have relatively recently launched your own practice. Uh, What are you working on right now? What do you want the world to know about?
1: You know, I'm so excited at this stage in my career to really take all this knowledge uh, and all these examples of from catastrophe to big wins and helping, you know, retailers, manufacturers, and also leadership that's just entering the C-suite uh, to really help them navigate uh, their story, their their passion for their product. Um, you know, I, I, I meet so many new people that are entrepreneurs. And thanks, Kylie. You've definitely been part of that. Um, you know, meeting people and, you know, seeing their story and what they're trying to accomplish. And I just want to be part of it. I think it's just exciting. And it's really what I love to do. And I love to coach. Uh, so, yeah, it's been it's been great.
0: Yeah, I know when we first met, I was like, oh, you sound like me for the retail space. Cool, because I don't know anything about that space. And like like we've talked about, I have a ton of people in my network that are makers and I adore them and I love them, but I'm like, I'm not your person. Like, I'm just, you're not gonna get what you need out of me. So when we met, I was like, oh, cool. I didn't know that there was somebody else like that. That's great. No, it's, um, it's
1: terrific, and I have had an amazing career in so many different categories. Um, so yeah, now it's time for me to give back a little and uh, and really, you know, help people build the businesses what they're thinking of. So it's exciting. Yeah,
0: I love that. Um, all right, so I've got a couple of big thinking questions for you that I like to toss out to my guests. What impact do you want to make on the world, or what legacy do you want to leave?
1: Well, you know, when I look at my uh, history, you know, I I always loved coaching teams, coaching my partners. I have been an assistant all the way to the C-suite. I'm a mom. I'm a wife. I'm a mentor and coach. Um, I think one of the things I really want to get my message to be is, yes, you can have it all. You really can. I think the issue is you have to be present in every one of those sectors when you're in it. So when you're a mom, be a mom. When you're at work, be a work. Um, you know, and I'm I'm, tr- I'm here to really show entrepreneurs how you can have the- create that life that gives you all those opportunities. You don't have to pick. Um, you know, I want people to focus on their passion, driving their business, you know, or the professional, you know, career and-, and achieve those goals. So I'd love to be that person to help Uh, craft that. But yeah, have it all. Do it all.
0: I love that. We talk about that a lot too. I think we have very similar philosophies, Raina, um, with the work that we do with defining success for our owners and then aligning our business strategies. One of the things um, that we oftentimes say is so, so often business owners and and this is not shaming anyone because I've done this myself. It's just an observation. So often we start our businesses and we do the thing we know how to do and we're like oh i hope that this pays some bills that would be great so we start doing the thing we do the thing we do the thing and then we keep going and at some point we end up hitting a wall and we're like oh i hate this i'm burnt out this isn't working for me anymore and we ask why you know and it's we're because we don't have it all and we're like well, this isn't working and what i found at least is oftentimes it's because we haven't defined success for ourselves first as humans and when we get really clear and we do that internal work first, and then we build our businesses in alignment with that personal definition of success, it gives us such a much clearer roadmap to be able to have it all. So, Absolutely. yes, I a thousand percent agree with you. I love that.
1: Yeah. No, that's, that's great. It's a great way to, to phrase it and, you know, kind of plan that.
0: Yeah. But, you know, you gotta, you have to be willing to look inside and figure out what you want. What you really want, right? Yeah. Um, okay. So, um, talking about life and entrepreneurship and having it all, my last question for you, Reyna, is what is your greatest insight or discovery about both life and entrepreneurship?
1: Uh, for me, it's definitely that it's in your hands. Um, I learned early in life that. Blaming others or complaining about a situation gets you absolutely nowhere. It's a dead end. Um, And it's up to you to make it happen. So get out of your own way, make a plan, and go get it. I think the wasteful energy of complaining and blaming, and yeah, I had personally hit a wall in many different scenarios of my life. And the minute I decided to make a change, Everything was great. So I think, you know, take ownership of your life. And if you want it, go get it.
0: Preach, lady. Preach. (laughs) I'm a thousand percent there with you. That's been, I mean, like, yes, yes. But I've, I've specifically experienced that to the nth degree over the last couple of years is it's like, look, this is, you're the only one that can make this change. Like if you Absolutely. don't want to do the work to decide if you want to change, then that's your that's a choice. But you're the only one that can make the change. So make the change that you want to be and you want to see and you want to experience. I love Absolutely. that. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, Raina, thank you so much for your times and all of your knowledge and wisdom. Thank you for sharing that with us. For everybody listening, if you've enjoyed today's episode, please go ahead and leave us a review wherever you are listening. And also don't forget to sign up for our weekly newsletter at rain9.com. That's R-A-Y-N-E-I-X.com so that you get looped in on all of our weekly news and updates. And uh, you don't miss an episode of Welcome to Eloma with lovely guests such as Raina. thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Me too. Thanks so much, Kylie. Appreciate it. To continue learning how to better build your business and make your vision a reality, subscribe to the Welcome to Eloma email list at welcometoeloma.com.